0: It's good to really good to be with you here at Cross Community, and um, I just want to tell you that you have an incredible pastor and wife here at Cross Community. You really do. <clears throat> I um, I congratulate Pastor Jeff and Lori t- over ten years of faithful ministry here in the Portage area here at the Cross Community Church, and uh, you've got a rich history here. Uh, I was. Uh, I was actually spent a little bit of time this week with you, one of your former pastors, who is a district superintendent down in Indiana, Pastor Tim Crump. And uh, he brings his greetings to those of you who are around back in the, I think it was the 90s or some. I mean, it's been a long time since Tim was here. and uh, But he brings your gr- greetings, has has fond memories of this great church. You are a blessed people because the Lord is with you. Amen? He is faithful to us, he is good to us, and he is great. Um, It's a joy to be with you. It was a little over a year ago, actually a year ago this week, that uh, Jane and uh, and Weston and myself uh, moved from Ellicott City, Maryland... To uh, Michigan and we were driving over here this morning and I was trying to think about what church I was in a year ago They all sort of run together. So I don't know where I was <laughs> I just uh, I go from place to place and uh, it's a new It's a new um, it's a new life for us in so many ways We pastored for over 25 years in two different churches as a senior pastor And then we were associate pastor for five years beyond that um, and being a district superintendent, uh, we're visitors every week. You know, we, we, you know, until I get to all the churches, and there are 70 of them, um, it'll take me 70 weeks to do that, which is more than a year. Every week I'm a visitor. And, uh, so it's good to meet with you. It's good to, uh, greet you. I wish I could get to know all of your names, all of your stories, because every one of you have something, um, to contribute to the body of Christ and to the kingdom of God. But in my role, I'm unable to do that. So I mostly love on pastors. That's my that's my job these days. You know, I love on pastors. Um, we'll be doing a pastoral review tomorrow uh, with Pastor Jeff in his tenth in his ten year anniversary. This is uh, your third review, I guess. You know, so um, it's a great time for us to evaluate and kind of talk about where the church is at and to celebrate his ministry. And I'm sure that's going to go wonderful. So we look forward to that. Um, we have five churches currently right now in the Michigan district that are without a pastor. And so my, one of my jobs uh, is to help churches in transition. So uh, I, you, you don't know what you, you know, sometimes you don't realize what you got until it's gone. And these pastors are these churches are seeking a new minister, a new leader for their congregations. And um, it's not always easy. And uh, so continue to pray for those five congregations. I'll tell you the names, but you'd forget them. And, you know, so just say pray for those that don't have a pastor today. I want to share with you a message uh, called lost and found. I want to talk to you about my very favorite subject. It's the thing that drives me. It's the thing that uh, motivates me more than anything else. And that's lo- finding lost people who need the love of Jesus Christ and sharing the good news with them. Um, do you remember when you were lost? I was lost, but now I'm found. Every one of us in this room at one time was lost. It may be that you even grew up in a Christian home where where Christ was always there and you always knew knew the Lord. But there was a day when you did not know him and and you and you had to recognize him and, and acknowledge that he was your Lord, your savior, your king. You may have a story where you lived in, in utter darkness for years and years in your life and then you came to the place where you received Christ as your Savior and Lord and you were radically changed from the inside out. Um, some of you may have come to, the, come to know the Lord through a series of events and a series of relationships, whatever it might be, but every one of us has a lost and found story. We have a story of, of what it meant to be lost and what it meant to be found. In the book of Luke, chapter 15, this morning, we're going to, um, I'm going to do what a preacher should not do. I'm going to preach through the entire chapter. We'll be here at 3 o'clock, but that's okay. I only show up once every few years, and you can put up with that, all right? All right, so if you need to go to the bathroom in between these sermons, go ahead and do that, but please come back, all right? Uh, just kidding, we'll get it done. Uh, Luke chapter 15 is our text this morning and if you wouldn't mind standing as we read God's word together I want to read just um, a short portion of the chapter and then I'm going to refer to the rest of the chapter throughout the message Luke chapter 15 starting at verse 1 I'm reading from the new international version Um, I don't know what version you use here today, but that's the version that I've been preaching out of for years um, but this is uh, Luke chapter 15, and it says this. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, just stop there for a moment. Aren't you glad Jesus sat with sinners and ate with them? Don't you think we should do the same? I'd say Jesus was an hospitable guy. He was he treated everybody the same. He loved all people. And then the scripture says, then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends, his neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing over one sinner who repents than over ninety nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light the lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin in the same way. I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then Jesus continued and said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me the share of the estate. So we divided his property between them. Now, I said I wasn't going to read the whole chapter, but it's looking like I'm going to. So, oh, well, not longer after that, the younger son got all together. All he had set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything he had there in a severe famine in the whole country, he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself to the citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with pods and the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? You hear I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Father, thank you so much for your word today. Thank you for these three incredible stories that you shared with those who are muttering about him sitting with tax collectors and sinners. And I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to realize that we are the people of God who was once lost and we are now found. And that we are instruments of yours to help reach the lost, I pray. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Now, I want to give you, you know, you heard your pastor's wife talking about losing names of people who signed up. So I must confess to you this morning. I got here and I started to look through my notes and I realized that the printer only printed every other page. I don't know how that happens, but usually it's printing on both sides, but for some reason it only printed on one side. So you're going to get a sermon today that I don't even know how it's going to come out. All right. No idea how it's going to come out. I was looking at it going, oh, no, you know. So uh, but here it goes. All right. Lost and found. It's interesting to me. And I can't read that back screen too well. So let me read this one. It scripture says in Mark two verses 16 and 17. It says when the scribes and Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors. This is, by the way, the same encounter. He while he was eating and drinking and hearing this, Jesus said to them in bold underline there, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician But those who are sick, I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. And then it says over there in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now let me ask you a question. On a scale of 1 to ten, one being no passion and 10 being very passionate, How is your passion for the lost? When's the last time you prayed for a lost person? When's the last time you shared your faith? When's the last time you invited somebody to church with you? When's the last time you served your neighbor and loved on them and knew that you were being the very hands and feet of Jesus? You see, it's easy for us the longer we are believers and the longer we are followers of Jesus Christ that we get isolated from those who need Christ. It's easy for us to spend all our time with people who are are like us, smell like us, act like us, talk like us. But God has a passion for lost people in our world. He wants to reach the lost people. Now, here in Portage or Kalamazoo, are there any lost people? Is there anybody here that still needs Jesus? Now, you've got a lot of great churches around you. This is a great church. I was, we were noticing the assemblies of God across the street. And you drive down the highway a little bit and there's this big old mammoth church there. And it would seem like with all these incredible churches around us that all of the people know. That everybody's been evangelized. That everybody's had an opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus. So let's just close up shop and sing Kumbaya and wait till Jesus comes. But I don't think that's true, is it? I still think that there are people in your communities who don't know Jesus. There are two numbers that are troubling me today. Numbers that may not trouble you, but numbers that trouble me. And here are the numbers. 19 and 54. You probably haven't even thought about 19 and 54. I'm not talking about playing the numbers. But I'm talking about the Pew Research did a re- did a study of, of Americans, and they discovered about 10 years ago that there were 19 million people who considered themselves non-religious. They were not connected to any religious institution. They were not part of any church. They considered themselves nuns. Seven years after that study, they did another study, the same study, and they discovered that that number went from 19 million to 54 million. Now, I don't know about you. But that's shocking. That the numbers are growing so rapidly in the wrong direction. Our culture is becoming less religious and more secular. We all know that, don't we? And that is reflected in the people that you go to school with, the people that you work with, the people that you shop with, the people that live on your streets. They are becoming less Religious. Now, I'm not interested in religion, but I am interested in people knowing the person of Jesus. And so I say all that because I don't know what the numbers will look like in seven years after the last study was done. But it seems to me that if we've gone from 19 to 54, I can't imagine what the numbers will be later on. There are lost people everywhere. There are three kinds of lost people, by the way. This was supposed to be a video, but I couldn't get it to work, so we're gonna skip that. There are three types of lost people that I believe that are in our communities today that are reflected in this parable, these three parables. The first kind of lost person are lost people who don't know how to get found. This is represented by the sheep. The scripture tells us that, that one sheep, that suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. And doesn't he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one lost sheep? Why do you go after the one lost sheep? Because that lost sheep doesn't know how to get back. And there are people in your community today who know, now catch this, who know that they are lost... And what all of that lostness means, but do not know how to be found. Did you catch that? They recognize their brokenness. They recognize their darkness. They recognize their despair. They recognize a sense of lack of purpose and meaning. They recognize that life is sort of like a a treadmill where you just go, 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 but you're not gaining any traction. They recognize that they need something beyond that, but they don't know what it is or who it is. They are lost, but they do not know how to be found. I was once in this category. I grew up in a home that had really no religious training whatsoever. We were we were baptized Catholic babies, but never went to church or catechism. Once in a while, we'd go to a Christmas Eve service. But we really had no idea of who Christ was. I can remember as a young man, 11 years old, my father was dying of emphysema in the hospital. He was only 48 years old. And I remember going into my mother's and my dad's room and in the bottom drawer of her bureau was a drawer full of religious books. My mother at one time was a very devout Catholic. My dad was a Protestant. And because they couldn't agree when they had children, they decided to do nothing. But my mom saved all of these books. And I remember sitting on the floor as my dad was in the hospital, almost at the point of death, as an 11 year old boy, not knowing anything and flipping through these books going, there's something I'm searching. I don't know what I'm searching for, but there's something in these books. There were prayer books. There was a Bible in there, but I had no idea what they were or how to read them. All I knew is I sensed the presence of God in that bedroom sitting on the floor. By the way, for us, Nazarenes, Wesleyans, we call that prevenient grace. God is at work in people's lives long before they even recognize that God is there. There are people today who are like sheep. Who don't have a shepherd. And don't even know they need a shepherd. Do you know anybody like that? Do you have somebody in your life that you that just comes to your mind right now that they are lost? They don't know how to be found, but they recognize their lostness. You've got the answer. You know, the Savior. He's living in you. And you could tell your story. That could intersect their story. That could possibly radically change their lives forever. When the shepherd finds it, what do they do? They rejoice. They rejoice. He actually calls all his friends. Hey, I found my lost sheep. And the scripture says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. The greatest antidote for all of our churches across the Michigan district is to see lost people get found. You want to bring life to a church? See somebody go from death to life. See resurrection. See, see somebody go from despair to hope. Baptisms. Good news. Amen. Well, there's a second category, and that's lost people who don't know they're lost. This is represented by the coin. Coins don't know they're lost. You can lose your coins. And guess what? They don't have a clue. They're in the wrong place. They have no idea that they're even lost. They're sitting in a crack somewhere. They're sitting on the desk somewhere, whatever it might be. But the story goes on that Jesus says that there was a lost coin. And the scripture says, suppose a woman who has 10 silver coins loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls all of her friends and neighbors and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. My friends, there's a whole other group of people in our society today who are lost but don't have a clue that they are lost. Actually, if you ask them, are you lost? They say, no, I know right where I am. They're like men who will never use a map. Sorry. Some people don't even recognize they need anything. They're happy with their money. They're happy with their, with their property. They're happy with their entertainments. They're happy with all of their pleasures that this world provides. And they are deeply satisfied. They are like the rich man who didn't even know he had a need until Jesus told him to go sell everything. And then come follow me. There are people that you know that are lost and don't know they're lost. What do you do with them? You first of all pray. You pray and pray and pray. And you pray. And you pray. And you pray. Because here's what I know. Everybody goes through no matter the person who knows they're, they're that they are not lost person who thinks that they are not lost that they are actually okay really will come to something in their lives that will bring them to their knees pain suffering despair brokenness will come knocking on their door at some point because that's the human experience. Every one of us experiences those things. I remember one time I was in the hospital. I was a young pastor. I was visiting a dear saint in our church who was in the hospital. And as I was leaving, the nurse said to me, I don't usually ask pastors to do this, but there's this guy who's going to die, who is grumpy and miserable and just full of anger and despair. Would you mind going in there and praying with him? I was like, I don't know. So I said, well, what are you going to do? Can't say no. I walked into this room of this old guy. He had nobody in the room with him. He was he was very, very sick. And I introduced myself and said, you know, I am Kevin Hardy. I'm the pastor from the Church of the Nazarene here in Burlington, Vermont. I was just a youth pastor at the time, actually. And um, he said, what are you doing here? I said, well, the nurse asked me to come pray with you. Why'd she do that? I don't know you. Well, I think she asked me to do that because she's concerned about you. Why is she concerned about me? Well, because you're grumpy. I'm not grumpy. I said, sir, could I pray with you? I don't need you to pray with me. So I got a little boldness. And I said, sir, I know you don't know me. And I don't know you. But you're going to die. And I don't want you to be lost for all of eternity. And there's a God who loves you. And gave his life for you. And wants to have give you a clean conscience that you can go into eternity with peace. And the man started to cry. True story. I took him by the hand. He didn't know how to pray. So I said, sir. I'm going to pray on your behalf as if you are praying. You just squeeze my hand when you agree. So I prayed. I confessed his sins. I prayed that the Lord would bring hope and life out of his darkness. And peace in the middle of his storm. And he squeezed. And he squeezed. And he squeezed. And I believe he's in with the Lord today. and all of eternity. You know people in your life right now. Who are lost that don't know they're lost. But they need to have an encounter with somebody who has been found. And they need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. They need to recognize their own wickedness, their own sinfulness, their own lostness, their own separation from God. And unless you speak up, they may never know. Do you remember anybody like that? I love how Jesus repeats the same phrase in all three parables. Parables. I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. Lost people who know they're lost, lost people who don't know they're lost. And then the third category is this: lost people who know that they're lost and know how to be found. You see, in the parable of the Son. The son says, hey, I want my inheritance. The father gives it to him. He goes off and he lives in wild living. He has a grand old time with all of dad's resources. Gets to the place where he's stone broke. Gets a job feeding the pigs. Realizes that, man, this isn't so good. Decides he's going to go back home. There are boys and girls, maybe even in your own family, sons and daughters that grew up in the church, went to Sunday school, who know all the stories about God. For one reason or another, they have chosen to leave. They have chosen to go their own path, walk their own journey. They have chosen some to go on to be... Wonderful men and women of, of outstanding morals, but they are absent of a relationship with Almighty God through Jesus Christ. Some who squandered it in wild living decided to go try what the world has to offer and drugs and drinking and partying and sex and all the things the world could offer. And at some point, the scripture says, at least in this story, the Scripture says, when he came to his senses. When he came to his senses. Back in the day when I was a young Christian, he used to talk about the backslider. The one who was living outside the will of God, who once knew God. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? Yet here I am starving to death. I know what I'll do. I'll set out and go back. You see, he knows the way. He knows the way. He knows the way. He knows he's got to go back. He knows he's got to return. He knows he's got to repent. He knows he's got to ask for forgiveness. He doesn't feel like he deserves it. He doesn't feel like he'll receive it. But he knows that he can't continue to live this way anymore. I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went back to his father. Are you a church that welcomes people back? Are you forgiving? Grace-filled? Are you like the father? Or, as the rest of the story was, like the brother who said, Do you know anybody that needs to come home? When's the last time you called them and said, Son, Daughter, I love you. Would you come back home? Thanksgiving's coming. Christmas is coming. Families get together. Is there a son or daughter? Or a friend? Or a or even a mate who has wandered away, that you should pray and that you should be available to let God use you to bring forgiveness and life back to them. I hope so. Well, that's all my sermon because I don't remember what else I was supposed to preach. The last page is not there. How's your passion meter? One to ten. You got a number in your mind? What would happen if every one of us turned the passion for lost people up one or two notches? Would we pray more? Would we serve more? Would we invite more? Would we witness more? Would we stop being just the people that are in a holy huddle and start being the very people of God, reaching lost people like Jesus did? I'm praying that God would raise the temperature for lost people in every church in Michigan. Because I know that many are lost and need to be found. And when one person repents, guess what heaven does? Guess what heaven does? Rejoices! Hallelujah! They get excited, they clap, wow! What do we do? Amen. Oh, God, thank you so much for your word today. Gives us a glimpse of your heart. You love people. You love people of all races, all economic backgrounds, of all ages, of all countries. You love people in our community. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I pray, O oh God, that you would raise the temperature in this church for a passion for lost people. I pray that this church would be a light in the middle of the darkness. I pray that, that hundreds would come to know you, Lord. We'll start with just one, Lord. But we pray, oh God, that you'd help us to recognize that there are lost people who know they're lost and don't know how to be found. That there are lost people who are lost and don't even know that they're lost. And there are lost people who once walked away and need to come back home. I pray that you would help us to recognize, to pray, to witness, to love, to serve, and to be your hands and feet and your people. Build your kingdom, I pray. Build your kingdom. Not only through this church, but through all the churches here in this area. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.